Okay, so a deep breath in and a slow breath out. This is the Mindfulness Podcast. Thank you everybody for listening. Another episode, the second one this year, um, with Pat as well, that I'm always happy to, to see and uh, hear uh, in our podcast. Hi, Pat. Hello, Lele. Hello, everyone that's listening. Happy February. Oh, yeah. Uh, bring us the news, Pat, so before getting to our guest. Um, I think the, the biggest na- news for this month is um, there's a second person that formally joined the mindfulness practice. So there's two people now working at Kindrel around mindfulness, Rachel Formella, which many people know. And uh, then many people listen to in our podcast. Yes. And that uh, listen to. She'll probably come as a guest soon. Um, other than that, we're just kind of working on the longer term strategy, business as usual. Um, and the one thing that we started, actually, I started leading is breathwork sessions. Mm-hmm. As you were saying, breathe in, breathe out, that mind that came to my mind. And uh, in particular, today we did a uh, Tumon or Wim Hof breathing. And that also made me think about you, uh, Lele. Oh, some, nice. uh, some news. Now we have breathworks in the company as well. What about your side? Nice, the breathwork. I mean, it's incredible how you can really change your mood and point of view and uh, everything about the moment with just different type of breathing. It's uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, here, the nothing um, so different than last episode. We have uh, we kicked off uh, the experience. So there is a kickoff on the first of March. I encourage everybody again. If you didn't enroll, just click and enroll. Um, and then we go on with. Uh, we are actually trying to bring uh, another. Uh, experience now another kind of uh, badge that is like a self-paced to see because we figure out that you know if you do the environment experience at IBM you it looks you know it likes big it's like 10 weeks Uh, so if somebody just wants to get uh, you know basic uh, how do you do it right you join a practice or you just listen to this podcast yes you could but we try to bring maybe you know digital badging also for that like so that's actually in the works um, and then we have another initiative that I will leave our guest to talk about it later on, right? So without further ado, uh, let me introduce Daniel here. Uh, hi, Daniel. Daniel uh, is part of uh, Mindfulness at IBM community and uh, recently is also part of the, he, like, you know, becoming a supervisor in the time, right? In our, the Mindfulness IBM experience. Daniel, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So I'll start with you, like what, who, who are you and what's your, uh, where your journey started with mindfulness? Oh, um, well, I would say my first experience with mindfulness was probably, I love surfing and there was a magazine with this legendary soul surfer named Jerry Lopez. And I just loved everything about him. He, he made a comment once, the faster I go, the more things slow down, something like that. Really grabbed me. I was in high school. I didn't really know what he meant by that, but it sounded amazing. And so I would read everything I could about this person. And he mentioned a book, actually, called The Autobiography of a Yogi. I don't know if this is a book you've ever come across, but... Um, it really blew my mind. I read it over and over. Um, it does have some um, maybe wild and wonderful, fantastic uh, aspects to it. But um, as, as far as an, a first introduction to 
I guess you could say the wisdom traditions. That was my first dive into that. And that led me into a lot of reading um, the Dhammapada, things like that, and different literature from uh, the Upanishads to the Buddhist literature. And, but eventually, um, I realized I needed to engage in the practices. And so I started trying to figure out how to go about doing that. Um, eventually, I found a Zen community in New Jersey. Um, and that was my first introduction to uh, an American version of Soto Zen Buddhism. And that was where I really, I think, first got a good taste of um, the stillness that can be found from, from extended uh, seated meditation practice. So this is kind of the beginning of my journey in a nutshell. Yeah, that actually led to a pretty deep dive into Zen. So I, I studied with the Brooklyn Zen Center, which has a really beautiful community. They're, they're an offshoot of the San Francisco Zen Center, which is like the Shunri Suzuki um, offshoot of American Soto Zen, I guess you could say. And I say Soto because it's a very specific kind of way of thinking about the practices. Um, there's very minimal instruction, uh, very beautiful, elegant, beautiful aesthetic. A lot of it's absorbed from, I think, to some degree from the Chinese Chan Buddhism. So sparse and simple, open, and not a lot of direct instruction, a lot of poetic kind of indirect support by the community. Um, and so I spent many years doing that. So doing retreats um, at the Brooklyn Zen Center. There was also a group with us in Monmouth County, New Jersey. So I had a, a, a Zen teacher who I was very close with. And that went on for probably a decade. And then um, I broke from there and started exploring other approaches uh, in more of an Indo-Tibetan style which has a much more explicit overt kind of detailed way of teaching um i think i was ready for that at that point although i, I don't know if i would have been able to really understand that earlier on because i i tend to be hyper intellectualizing things you know not not in a strong intellectual way but in a overthinking i guess you could say and so zen was really really great to help reinforce that um, thinking won't necessarily be your key uh, <laughs> to getting somewhere with the practices. And so with the Tibetan stuff, there's so much philosophy and so much uh, analysis that um, I think that can be extremely helpful, but um, in certain contexts, if you have the maturity to not, as my Zen teacher said, that stuff's great, just don't believe it. <laughs> And uh, I don't know if I was able to follow that, but yeah. And now currently I just do, um, so the Indo-Tibetan style was, was with a pointing out teacher named Daniel P. Brown, who passed away in April 2021. He was a brilliant teacher, and I, I had the good fortune to uh, work with his group for, for quite some time. And I was invited into their tech team, so I was able to, to uh, support their retreats. So I was doing the Zoom and everything for all these retreats. So I got to go through their introductory courses over and over. And um, that really changed, changed everything for me. Um, and then more recently, I, 
I took a deeper dive into the Gelug tradition of Tibetan Buddhism. So I study with a Lama uh, twice a week in that lineage as well. Um, so it's kind of a sort of a hybrid of Zen and, and Indo-Tibetan style uh, is my is my main. Those are my main influences. And how does that um, interweave, or how does that affect your day to day work? Well, for one, the work with Daniel Brown, they heavily emphasized a deep dive into concentration. And I found that that really helped me um, basically at any moment be able to drop into uh, a much more, when, when, I, when I was doing the retreats with the Zen communities, we would sit many, many periods, long hours. And I found that in the right conditions with the right people, I was able to really sink in. And, and there was a great effort to transfer that into all kinds of activities. And I always yearned to be able to transfer the practices I was doing into my daily life. Um, but it wasn't until I worked with that group that they really drilled into some of those prerequisites. Um, and, and, and just personally, I just really needed that. I'm, I don't think that that's necessarily the only way to approach it. But for me, um, being able to really uh, sharpen and, and get clear with, the, uh, with that setup piece of deep concentration, it, it really transformed everything. So just day-to-day -day interactions with people, um, writing, coding, um, I just find myself much more able to deeply concentrate. That, that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, there's all kinds of things related to emotional regulation and, and just feeling better in general. Um, I remember I ran into an old friend after it had been eight months or so that I had first met and formally started working with a Zen teacher and she just said, oh my God, you're different. <laughs> <laughs> and because it's, it seems to be that it just would sink, it sinks in so slow that it was hard for me to really understand uh, that there were changes going on. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's affected everything. I mean, especially my work, where I work most of our lives, you know, and being with people. Um, so. Nice. So a transformative experience. Um, and... I actually wonder, like you, um, you you went through a you know long uh, beginning, right? So with your curiosity and you know meeting people and finding that there is a center in your area and so on. So what to to get uh, at least a, not the same but a similar type of benefit from mindfulness? What somebody that is listening now and doesn't know yeah. anything about it should do as a start. Well, the first thing I would say is, I, I believe we know much more than we think. So I think doubt um, is a huge blocker. Um, and I don't mean like false assumptions, mm. but just the kind of emotional sense that it's so hard or that it's so distant or that, that, that master is so experienced, but I'm not. I think those things, um, without encouraging any kind of spiritual pride in any way, but 
I think the more we can drop that, the faster we can just directly enter into the practices. So for someone that is beginning, I, I think honesty with yourself about where you are is crucial. But that said, I, I, at least in my experience and in my personal experience and, and in dealing with a lot of people, I think we, we sell ourselves short. And so I would say um, you probably know more than you think. And also, um, again, this is my opinion and uh, sort of like I think in all these practices, these, uh, these assertions, have, I think, always need to be reflected in your own mind and your own thinking and never take anything uh, on faith. But I spent a long time trying to get somewhere. And when I was in a different context with different people in the right conditions, whatever those conditions were, the, the, I don't want to say the perfect conditions, but the, some other conditions, the, those, the same, I'd say levels of peace or levels of presence or feelings of openness and, and, you know, the exciting states people like to talk about. I think they're so much more accessible and immediate than I had, than I had realized. I thought you needed to set up this huge process. Um, so I think there's an immediacy, uh, and, and, and that's really, um, I think refreshing and, and, um, and exciting because as these practices get more refined, although in some disciplines they're extremely refined, but as they become more accessible and in terms of everyone having access and more refined with, as we, uh, have this fascinating discussion with modern science. And of course the Dalai Lama has the contemplative neuroscience, uh, initiative with all kinds of universities working on that and institutions. The more these discussions become part of our popular vernacular and mainstream discussion, the more we can just have these tools available. And so the, if, if they're much more accessible in terms of skill than we thought, and if they're becoming more accessible in terms of uh, availability because of communication, et cetera, this is very exciting to me. And so I think anyone who's just coming into this should be excited because there's a ton of science but also you can check it in your own awareness. And, uh, and, and just those two things alone, I think are, they're just, I, I just find that so inspiring. Thank you for, for bringing that in. Um, yeah, it makes, makes me think of that, um, that story with the best time to plant a tree 30 years ago, second best time right now. So mm. yeah, being really mindful of our own, judgments and our own biases and like you said we spend so much time looking for peace outside or out there mm -hmm. whereas um it's already here <laughs> but now like you're saying we we have the the science we have the tools we have better able to tailor to one's group to to one mentality etc so it's going to be easier to access that peace more frequently yeah, you have your podcast that you can you have your listen, podcast, right? you have your app. Work work you you have your own do. company, you have a community <laughs> that can connect with you. So there is a lot you can start with. But uh, but speaking about, um, you know, fine-tuning and tailoring options and initiatives like the Dalai Lama, 
I uh, was word on the street is that you're working on some sort of initiative, Daniel. Oh, yeah, actually, um, beautiful. So, um, but before I, I comment on that, I do. I don't have notes, and I'm kind of just being here with you guys and just feeding off of the discussion. But I did have one thing I, I on a to-do list, which was to just thank you guys because um, I've done all kinds of jobs, you know, construction to bartending and start a business and I had and I had always as I was mentioning earlier I'd always been fascinated by these topics and and doing my best to engage in, in some sort of communities and I couldn't believe that I, I came here to work on data analytics and there was an opportunity to meditate or, or practice mindfulness with, with, with people and so I <laughs> that uh that's something to be excited about that that and i and and i do think that's a testament to the broader um openness to these top which which obviously is nothing new we're all aware of this by now but um it's not weird to meditate eat there or i i remember even getting that kind of uh, energy mm. when i was just starting out and that's not any reason to not do something but the openness and the acceptance and and on that note i love all the apps and i love all of the cultural discussion around around mm -hmm. it so but yeah so my point is thank you i i think that you know from it's true that uh you know there is a conversation and there is support uh, but from from the other side you also still there is still some um doubt right from yeah. a religious perspective, you also you know, right. talk about, you know, I went to a Zen center, then to a Buddhist. And of course, that's right. where the theory, original theory is, right? And now, you know, taking out from that environment, you can use the same kind of guidance and instructions outside any Zen or Buddhist environment. Mm -hmm. uh, yet, I feel that many, um, when I enter in conversation, don't believe that, right? But you don't need to believe, you just need to verify, as you said, and feel it on your own. And in a corporate environment, I still think that from time to time there is an idea that is just, you know, a waste of time maybe, like why you need it, right? And right. so on. But I think this is going slowly away, right? And we're getting into a new uh, period where, you know, you, it makes sense for you to train your mind to know who you are, your purpose, your skills, uh, and how you feel at any moment, so you can always be okay, right, and mm -hmm. feel good, right. And that's where mindfulness plays a role. And I, I'm also happy that this is happening more and more. Um, but I wanted to ask you a question about as well, like to, talking about this, right? So um, you you just told me that you we do to, to you know you wanted to promote a, a gathering for the IBM community, right, the mindfulness IBM community, so that people could meet. Um, more often. So tell me more about tell me more about yeah. it, right? And what what is it? Absolutely. So <clears throat> my thinking was, we we do have some centralized programs like the introductory program and uh, the end time, which is going to be excellent uh, coming out soon. But we also have out of the various teachers, uh, supervisors, trainees, trainers, mm -hmm. um, they like to continue their practice, so they there seems to be kind of a splintering of disparate groups that engage local uh, regu regular communities. And I think that that's beautiful. I also think that it would have been uh, 
Well, which led me to think it would be really nice to have some way where everyone could sort of check in with each other. Uh, the, the practitioners that have been interested for longer periods of time can say hi, check in, mm-hmm. but also people that uh, maybe take a course and then start practicing with a, with a particular group, they then start to learn that uh, it's not really specialization, but sort of their style. Mm-hmm. And I think on the one hand, getting everyone in one space is a great idea, but also to kind of cross pollinate. So for example, we have Kathleen Martin does a really beautiful um, uh, chair yoga practice. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, we have uh, Nieta. Uh, I went to her Zaza. Excuse me. Her in, the past, uh, in the past podcast. Yeah, uh, actually, actually, I listened to it. It was very nice. Yeah, but um, just as just to give two examples, yeah, yeah, they're sort of doing, they're approaching it in their own, in their own way, and I think it would be really nice to have the various groups uh, come in contact with each other, if not mm-hmm. for just briefly, also to see the schedule and just see the community as a whole as mm-hmm. a snapshot. So we have it. Here we go. We're gonna. We have an option to meet. Uh, how is it? Uh, once a month. Once a month. Yeah. Once so month. we're thinking of uh, doing it once a month, uh, Thursday mornings, mm-hmm. um, Eastern times morning. But we picked that time so that we could try and include as many people as possible given mm-hmm. the various time zones. Yeah. So it's going to be the first Thursday of every month for just a half hour, and I'm looking for. Uh, people to volunteer to jump in and lead practices mm-hmm. if, if that's um, and, and I kind of wanted to keep it very improvisational so we all meet uh, we talk about whatever maybe uh, do a short practice and then give some space if, if there are any uh, questions and if anyone has anything they'd like to talk about not so much uh, administrative things but more mm-hmm. just about the practice although we will include um, you know, reiterate a link to the calendar and encourage everyone to explore that. Um, and, and yeah, so that's, that's the basic idea. Okay. So we are, I'm going to add, uh, particularly for the folks in IBM, the link below of the mm-hmm. one we post the podcast and you mm-hmm. can actually enroll, right? So you have the calendar blocked and we're going to meet the first gathering of the whole community together, not on a separate practice as it's happening now, but once for you know, short period of time to just practice together, chat, and talk about some news and topics. So that is gonna happen. Thank you, Daniel, for reading it. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know, before closing, I think we should do a short practice. Anything you would like to share with our audience? Sure, so let's see, there's so many things. So um, I was gonna go by our discussion with that guide. Um, I think we should talk a little bit about concentration if we might. So the idea here is when we first try to settle the mind and body, there is a tendency to have a lot of noise in the system, noise in the body, noise in the mind. And so typically the, uh, the, the method here is to introduce a support object. So often we'll use our breath, but that could be a visual object or anything else. And Although mindfulness in general, uh, of course, can be done anywhere with any object in any experience, but 
sometimes it can be nice to set up a little bit of a formal uh, drilling in on, on just the concentration piece. And this is, this is something that can be done uh, very intensively and over a long period of time as a setup for other meditations, or it can just be done to refresh and sort of as a nice complement to your, to your mindfulness practice. So I thought it would be nice to offer a little bit about that. And the key difference between the basic mindfulness of the breath practices that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with is this notion of um, intensifying. So in the one sense, we, we track an object, be it the breath or body sensations. Uh, and that can be an extremely helpful uh, first approximation at stabilizing the, the, the mind. But there's a really a key piece that I, I don't often hear discussed, and it's once over a given period of time, you're able to stay continuously with a meditation object, be it the breath or, or something else, to be able to actually drill, drill into that object and uh, almost like zooming in on your screen. So if you think of, um, imagine I'm holding my finger up and you're following my finger. So staying with my, the movement of my finger, this is an analogy for the movement of the breath, uh, you might say, okay, I'm following this. But then you hear a sound, you look away, that's a distraction. And then without judgment, you come back to the finger and now you're back. So now we're continuously staying with the finger. But the next piece to this is to imagine if you're following the finger, but also zooming in to and, and becoming what you can think of as more intimately connected to. Mm-hmm. The, the details of the finger. So it's like a zooming in process. And so I'm going to lead you uh, very briefly through a mindfulness of breath with this added component. And hopefully you can explore this on your own and uh, experiment with this. Okay. So the first thing we typically do is set up the posture. Uh, this can just be us settling into the body. We feel our feet rooted into the floor. And the key point here, I believe, is to just let the upper body rise up, alert. Now notice the movement of the falling and rising breath within the body posture. Direct your mind towards the rising. No particular spot. Just feel it as a whole, a movement. So we have it rising. Falling. And if you notice any distractions, interior or exterior, just take that as a precious opportunity to just redirect 
back to the rising falling breath. Now use your best judgment to gently increase this. And see if you can track the entire movement of the breath. There's a point at which it'll turn. And you can follow it very, very closely. And in this way, we can direct our mind through the entire duration of the rising and falling. You may also notice a gap after the end of the falling breath before the rising occurs again. You can just direct your awareness right into that gap. So we now have an unbroken continuous concentration object as a support. And just gently direct your awareness more intimately with the sensations of the rising and falling. Like you're zooming in. In this way, we can become more intimately familiar with our support object. And what this can do for us is really drill in. And you may notice that thought elaboration will calm itself. This isn't a goal, but sometimes a nice side effect as we become more and more engaged. So we can ease up, let the breath return. We can bring the practice to a close. Thank you. Nice. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Bye -bye. I think I, I, I always find a much sharper uh, attention when I get into the details. That's true. Mm -hmm. And this can be in anything, right? Any type of experience. So thanks mm -hmm. for the guidance. I hope folks enjoyed today's practice. You can do it. You can pause it and play it again for tomorrow. Um, thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else we should share with our audience before we close our podcast, Daniel, from your side? Um, I, I want to just say that um, I think these practices are are cumulative and um and 
can be at times very frustrating and challenging and i and i i struggle to find the the language that i think will be most helpful mm-hmm. um and i really encourage people to explore and um, look for their own strategies and solutions and really turn these ideas over in the mind and then uh as a first uh, as a first step but always to think towards how can i try to practice this or where where's the application of the exercise that i can i can try to feel my way into Mm -hmm. not really think my way into um and so and i and i wanted to add that because in the beginning we were talking about how you really don't need to accept necessarily accept any dogma or um philosophical uh system to Mm -hmm. practice these things but and, and of course that includes the idea that they're not faith-based, but I do think this idea of trust is extremely important. So it's it's kind of a subtlety that it's hard to it's hard for me to really clearly think about. So if if people can fully trust but not have faith, uh, so they're they're testing them, but they're not discarding mm. it early. To to weigh the efficacy takes sometimes a bit more of a of a um, concerted mm-hmm. effort, and so I, I really urge people to sort of suspend judgment uh and and there's a, sort of a weird blend of being skeptical yeah. but also trusting i don't know if you have any thoughts on that lately. i think you know the you don't need faith you, you just need to trust mm-hmm. the people around you right you can trust me mm-hmm. if you know me you can trust daniel if you're you know a friend or you know colleague of him or you can trust pat or whoever uh is you know already doing it for a while and that can tell how the journey goes right and then you can try and your journey is going to be different not the same as mine but definitely there are common um, aspects to it right and uh, you know that's why we have a community that's why the mindfulness community is important not only an app in the phone right the app in the phone is helping you to find a way to to practice on your own but people is what makes the difference because we can all share with each other um, and you know makes our make our journey uh, to each other better so thank you, Daniel, for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Pat, as usual. Have a lovely mindful rest of the day. And talk to you on another episode of our podcast. Bye-bye. And thank you very much. Thank you.